You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kibalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, uh, I hope everybody had a good Yom Rishon. Um, we're getting so much closer to uh, the the Yom Agula. Hashem. We're going to hear about a Gula, Hashem. Um these were the halachot and Hilchot Pesach. We're getting very close to the night of the Seder. So, uh, hang on with us. Uh, we, those of you that are with, were with us throughout the halachot that we were talking about. Yeah. So we, right now we're getting much. Good evening, closer, everybody. Good evening, Moshe. We're getting much closer to the laws of the Seder itself. So let's take a look. We're on, uh, Sif Hay. Of Tov Samiches, you can see the screen here. Afil b'mokom shenohagul asot. There were places, as we have said, that had different minhagim. Places that had the minag no milacha the whole day, and there were some places, and everywhere had the minag not to do milacha post chatzot. And both of these places are are, are considered significant. And if and and we we do not dismiss the minagim of either place. And the last thing we learned about on Thursday was the difficulty of going from one place to the other and not showing that you don't agree with the minag, of acting in a way when you go to a place with a different minag that you aren't trying to publicly flaunt them, even though you're planning on going back to your own home. We're not going to talk about that tonight. We can talk about that at a different time and a different shiur. Now we're talking about an idea that's said in the, it's basically based on the Gemara, that even, and this is one interpretation in the Gemara, that even in a place where they have the minag to do melacha, lo yatchil betchilat melacha ba'arba asar, afapishu yochul gomra kaurum chatzos. The melachot that they allowed people to do Erev Pesach morning were only finishing off old work, finishing work from the past but not to start brand new anything, whether you're getting paid for it or not. However, there were three exceptions. There were three exceptions. Haim. What were the three exceptions? Those were exceptions that you were allowed to actually start them from the beginning. And those were and if this was one of the cities where they do melacha, these you could even start from the beginning, not just finishing off. And these are what they are. Because they were making clothes, the tailors, safarim, giving somebody the full haircut and beard cut and trim. And kofsim. The people that would be washing laundry from the very beginning, from the soap, from the from the whatever you have to put on in the beginning, first rinse, second rinse, third rinse, those things you could start from the beginning because all of those three are so crucial to yomtov: clothing, the appearance of your face and head, and obviously uh, if your clothes are dirty. Avoshar umniyot, but the other sorts of jobs. The heter melacha in those cities was It was about what? It was about finishing off. 
If you started it before, then you could finish it off. Now we have the Haggah, and I'm going to... Rabbi, excuse me. Is this, in a, is this in a place where they say, in general, you can't work uh, from Hazothan, or is it a place that allows it? Okay, so good question, Hanach. According to the, the way the Beit Yosef learns the Gemara, based on the Rishonim, is that this was the this was a Humrah, even in a place that allows it. That even in a place that allows Malacha, you can only finish Malacha. You can't start, except for these three, which we give an exception for even starting. That is the way the Beit Yosef learns the Sugya. But now comes the Ramah and says, V'yesh makilin. There are some that learn the sugya like you were implying, that even sheshlosh umniyot anizkarot, maschilin vosan alchatzots, these three exceptions, the barber, the launderer, and the uh, tailor, would even be a heter, afil b'mokam shenogu shelolasot. This would be even a heter in the cities where they had the minignata dumelocha. They were so important. And therefore, there would be a cool in those places. Now, you remember, those of you that remember from last week, remember that the Ramah said that Ashkenaz has the minig not to do melocha. His student, the Levush, disagreed. <laughs> but the Ramah said the way he understands Ashkenaz is we don't do melocha. So according to this, even according to the Ramah's way of looking at what Ashkenazim should do, you could actually begin, if you're one of these three people, you could begin one of these jobs. Uh, on Erev Pesach. The Ramal continues, but if you start, Mivod Yom would mean before Zricha. If you started really early, uh, in the middle of the night, or you started right after dawn. Then, Oh, hello, Jackie. Osin ad chatzos Anything that you start beforehand, you can finish. No matter what type of city it is, if you get it started before. And that's what he says. If, it, if you can say, I needed to start this because uh, I didn't get my stuff finished, I didn't get my shelf finished, where I'm putting all my matzahs, whatever it is, then you'd be allowed to do it seemingly no matter what. Okay, let's go to see Vav. Moshivin Shovachin Litarnagolim Barba Asar. So even though there are places that have a Chumrah, not to do a min, not to do Malocha before Chatzos, and everywhere has the Minag not to do Malocha after Chatzos, it's more than a Minag. It's actually a Takonat Chazal, not to do Malocha on Erev Pesach. But there are certain things that you're allowed to do. What's one of them? Let's say, I don't know why, but for some reason you did not set up properly the chicken coops. You could set up your chicken coops for on uh, Erev Pesach. What does that mean? The Hainu? L'takein mokom sheyamdu hatarnegolim v'atarnegolot. To set it up, to put that place, to put these pieces of wood one on top of the other. Now, it would seem that the reason for this het there as Mr. Burr says in Lamed Gimel, Vafil b'mokam shenogu shelo lasot, muter v'aschiv lasot ko elam melochot kol hayom. 
And the reason is, is because they really don't take much work at all. They're not much effort involved in it. Uh, it doesn't take a lot of effort. And it's probably, obviously, there might be an element of Tsar Balechaim, although he doesn't mention that. That might be part of it as well, that you definitely want to have a situation where the birds have a comfortable place to be, especially if you're going to be eating them. <laughs> you want them to be comfortable to eat. Right, right. Well, that's another thing. A dover oven would definitely be mutter, Jackie. A dover oven, it's no worse than chalamoed. It's no, it's no, it's not more common than chalamoed. And speaking of which, let's look at the next one, talking about losing money. Siv Zion. Jackie and Tzion, who lived on a farm, will appreciate this. I don't see Tzion is here yet, but. Tarnagolet shiyashiva ala betzim shlosha yamim ayotir. Let's say the, uh, you had a egg layer. You had your your hen that was sitting on the egg. Now, obviously, if you have the hen sitting on the egg, and she laid it already, and she's sitting on it, what you would like to happen is the egg to develop into a chick. I read something today in the New York Times, or in one of the papers, that there's a shortage of chicks. <laughs> Many people are going out and getting chicks now and trying to raise their own food. So there's a lot of chicks. There's a lot of so people would. This was obviously a business to be raising the chickens that will give birth to other chickens. So Tarnagolich. Yeah. So So it sat on the egg for three days, and then what happened? Umeta. Then the mother hen died. It's funny, Rabbi. I wanted to get chickens myself. You also wanted to start raising chickens, right? <laughs> it's a shortage. You can't find them. So what happened? So now the mother hen dies. Moshivan acheret tachteha. You can get another hen. You could run around and say, oh, are you good? Will you sit? Oh, how about you? How about you? And you can test out other hens to see which one is willing to sit on this egg. Why? That's right. Or, or you can find another. Either way, Jackie, either you take the egg to the hen or you bring the hen to the egg. But you can go through all that effort. Why? Because otherwise, the eggs it will be spoiled. Because as the Mishnah Brewer explains, once the mother sits on the egg three days, you can't eat it. It's already it. it's already considered masriach. It's already considered saruach. You can't sell it as an as an egg to eat. You're not going to crack it and eat it. There's already a developmental process that's occurred from the hormones of the mother into the egg that make it inedible, and therefore it's already in the process. So you're going to lose money. So we don't want you to lose the egg. We don't want you to lose it completely. So therefore, you're allowed to be matriach, an heir of Pesach, running around looking for another bird to sit on the egg. Gofrin sifchet. Gorfin. What does gorfin mean? Perish motzin b'magreifa. You scrape it out with a rake. V'hu kli miyuchad l'kach. It's a special kli. What are you scraping out with a rake? Zevil. Mitachat ragle So basically, 
more than more henach more than that. We're talking about manure. You're allowed. Yeah. You're you're allowed to go into if the animal is the animal is a defecator, right? It doesn't. It's not like a cat that covers its feces, right? It walks around and it's and it's walking around in its own filth. <laughs> so you have the right to go and scrape on Arab Yomtev. You have a right to go and scrape that zevel. It's not considered an Isra Melocha. You can go and scrape that zevel and, and, and put it in its right place away from the feet of the animal. And the, 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 defica- the defecation could also have chomets in it. Yeah, that could also be true, but that might not be a problem. That might not be a problem. Um, the um, the Mishnah Brewer brings something here. If you take a look in, uh, this was Sif Chet that we did, right? So I want to show you the Mishnah Brewer. You can see I'm I'm moving with the cursor. Mitachat raglei behema Here it is, Sif Lamed Zion, Sif Katan Lamed Zion. Umashlichin oto lechutz ashpa. Not only can you scrape it, you can move it and throw it into the city dump where everybody dumps their zevel. The Shulchan Aruch's words, I see somebody wrote me a comment. Uh, Udi, can you hear now? Can everybody hear now? Yes. I can hear you, Rabbi. Okay. So if you so the Bach says the Shulchan Aruch wrote the Chotzer because the animal is walking around the Chotzer and it's 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 ugly it's disgusting it, it, it's it's not respect to the animal <laughs> and for you looking at the animal but he says but in the barn and it's got its manure you can't take it out all the way to the ashpa. You can go into the barn and scrape it out to the side that the animal is not lying in its own manure. But you can't go and clean the barn out. That's what the Bach says. So I want to show you something interesting. Uh, the Mishnah Burn, the Bar Alocha quotes, he says, Ayin bir agrosha kosav, diladata rambam, ein shayach din serak But he says, on the 14th, you can actually definitely, no matter what, Throw it out. Throw the zevel out. And he says, To take it out to the ashpa. Because the Yerushalmi explains that in the refet, people are, are, are people can smell the refet. The Yerushalmi says you can actually, it's not just the, not just the chatzer, even the barn. If the barn is full of animal manure, you could clean it out Erev Pesach Achar Chatzos because the people are disgusted. <laughs> the people down the road are disgusted by that smell that's coming from your barn. So you have a right to clean that barn out and get the manure out of there. Okay? Um, let's take a look at the last halacha here in the in the simon. Um now, this shows you it's different than Chalamoid. 
on Cholomoed, you're not supposed to go to deliver stuff to be worked on to the launderer, to the tailor, to the shoemaker. You're not supposed to pick stuff up unless you need it for, for Yontem. On Erev Pesach, though, you're allowed to bring stuff from the laundromat, from the tailor, even after Chatzot, and you can bring stuff even after Chatzot, for him to work on. Now, if it's a Jewish tailor, there's a problem working on it on Chalamoed. It's another story. But you can bring stuff to be fixed on and and pick stuff up as well. Venoagu says the Ramo, since we're talking about what you should and shouldn't do in Erev Pesach, Shelovahakizdam Bishum Erev Yomtov. That in terms of what was considered medical practice to stay healthy, you were supposed to go and get some bloodlet. We don't do this today, but that 120 years ago, that was considered, or about 130, 40 years ago, that was considered normal medical practice was to uh, go and they knew exactly where to put the needles in you and where to get blood out of your body. That was considered normal stuff. So you're going for your checkup. You're going for your shot. You're going for your vitamin. That's sort of what it was like. You're going to get your blood circulating properly. So the minig is not to do it on Erev Yomtev. And the Ramos says, don't change. Now, why not? Let's take a look at the uh, Mishnah Baruch. So he says, Because one Erev Yomtev, the Arab Shavuot, what happened in Jewish history, right before they got the Torah, a certain demon erupted into the world. And his name was Tibuach. Had the Jews not accepted the Torah, just like we know from the Gemara in Shabbat, the Kofalei Mahar Kigigis, that the mountain would have destroyed them, the Medrash is telling us, or this Masur is telling us, there was this demon that could have, would, have, would have wiped us all out. And that demon shows up every Erev Shavuos again. The Gozer Rabbanan, I'll call Erev Yom, to Mishum Erev Shavuos. So therefore, Chazal are afraid. Because, you know what? Don't let your, don't go to a doctor who's going to open up your your body and, and cut, make a cut. Because there's something hovering over you. An evil presence is hovering over you on Erev Shuas. So Chazal said, you know what? We don't want pe- people aren't so, uh, aren't so discerning. Every Erev Yontif, no going to the doctor in that way because we don't want you to go to the doctor Erev Shuas. Vishrofen Shekarin Bankis, a cup, a cup That's what they used to do with hot you you might know about this. They used to take hot bottles of glass, or they would heat up uh, canisters, and then they would put them on your skin, and they would draw out the illness. They would heat the container, and then after they would heat it, they would stick it on your skin. I saw this happen. I don't know if you've ever seen it. In Yiddish, it's called bankis. So is that the same thing? Because you don't open the body up. Suction, suction therapy. Suction therapy. So, yeah. 
Some say that's not the same thing as getting an incision. Except Mulvad Hashan Araba Shu Yomadin. Because Hashan Araba Kop on him, Be'erev Shvuot, Yeshu Hachmir. But the night before Erev Yontif, you can definitely go to the doctor to get an incision. But don't go on the night of Hashan Araba. Vikolz, I'm skipping the next word. Vikolzekisharot Silahakis. Let's go to the next page. Libriut. The only reason you're going is because yeah, I'm going to be healthier. This is my this is my routine. Avamishum Sakana. If the doctors of that time, 150, 200 years ago, if the doctors of those times said, You are in danger, man, you need to get Hakasat Adam, of course. Then don't worry about the demon. Go and get what you need from the doctor. And even if it's Arab Shvuot, if the doctors are telling you to do it, and, what, and this obviously has a relevance to us today about what our doctors will tell us. If our doctors are telling us today, we listen to them, even though we have a Mesorah, that this is a dangerous time. For other reasons, because of demons or whatever it is, but if the doctors tell us that you need to go, and it's a cholishiyesh bo sakana, you should go and get the incision. But if the doctors aren't telling you that, then you should be worried. Again, take this as you will. It's obviously a product and somewhat of its time, but I think it has relevance to today as well. All right, so that is, I thought we are going to do a little bit more, but that's going to be the halacha for today. Let's now, because I said 7.45 to 8.05 halacha, we're now going to move to the uh, Yerushalmi. Okay. Now, here's the Yerushalmi. I want to tell you the Babli tonight is not that difficult, but the Yerushalmi is going to be a little harder. So let's review a little bit of what we've studied last time. Last Thursday, Baruch Hashem, we started, I believe it was on Thursday, we started Mesech Despeya. And we learned about this idea, that when you're about to begin, and when you're involved in the process of harvesting your field, don't completely uh, uh, gather up everything in the field. Don't take everything. You need to leave over you need to leave Peya for the Aniyim. Now, we also learned the other day, the Mishnah, that said Peya doesn't have a shear. And that's why we're going to mention other things that don't have a shear, as, as well as Peya. But what does it mean it doesn't have a shear? It means that, seemingly, you can get away with the smallest amount, or you could leave your whole field as payah. As long as, of course, you were kotzer one shibolet. Okay? So that is what we were learning about when, on Thursday. Now, we're going to see two brightos. And, and as I say in Yiddish, you have to hold cup. It's going to be a little complicated. But here we go. Um, we're now here in Mesechtas Peah on this first page that I sent out to you, and we are on um, the 
fifth line. Hapeya. We're doing your shalmi. Your shalmi peya. Hapeya yeshua shir milamaton. Okay. Even though the Mishnah said that Eilat Varm Shein Lem Shir, the first Bryce is telling us that as far as the topic of our Masechta, it doesn't mean no Shir whatsoever. There is a minimum amount of Shir as far as Peya goes. The other things mentioned in the Mishnah, right? Now, Peya does not have a Shir Ein Lo Shir Milamalan. It doesn't have a shear in terms of how much you can give, but there is a minimal amount. Now, the other things mentioned in the Mishnah, like Bikurim and Rayon, uh, the Bikurim and going up to the Beit HaMikdash, on the Yom Tovim, those are completely without a shear. Ain shear lolamalon There's not even a minimal shear or a maximum shear. Okay? That's, so according to that, Breita, our Mishnah, when it said Eilut Varm Shein Lem Shir, only meant, when it mentioned Peya, it only meant there's no Shir above, but there is a minimum Shir. Now, that minimum Shir, as I said on Thursday, is a rabbinical law. It wasn't from the Torah, but the rabbis did say, you have to give, we are telling everyone to give, one-fiftieth or two percent, one-sixtieth if they're cheap, one-fortieth. Perhaps if they're a little bit more uh, philanthropic, but that shear is a shear milamata. But is tani tani? There are some that have a brisa that say peya bikurim rayon. They're all together. Ain lechem shear lo lemalon vilo lamaton. That really our mishnah means there's no shear even below for peya, which means you can get away with just one shibolet. Hmm. So those are two brightest. Now, what's really the difference between the two? Isn't it true? Everybody says it's one sixtieth. It can't be these brightest are arguing about that. So what is the what is the real significant argument of these two brightest? So here comes the hard part. The first Brita that learns, that explains our Mishnah to mean that Peya does have a Shir Milamata, it means the Rabbonon really are very strict. And if you try to give less than a 60th or a 50th, if you try to be a if you try to be a Torah Jew and not a rabbinical Jew Torah Jew, if you try to be a cheap guy on your payah, then you know what's going to happen. Mashenotan notan, what you gave you can't take it back. What you de- what you declare payah, the oni is going to get. You have no right to take it. But the din is chazar v'hosif. You need to add to it. You need to keep on adding to it. So you need to add till you get to 2%. Chayev b'ma'asar ad shor, next page, shiyashlim, until you finish. So let's explain it the following. Let's say the man has a field and uh, 
uh, 2% of the field would be 10 bushels. Okay? 2% of the field is 10 bushels. Because it's a field of, of, of two, how many bushels? 200 bushels. So he's got to give, if he's going to get 2%, he's got to give, to give 10, right? Um, it's, it's 200 bushels. Uh, so 2% 2 of 200, 1% of 200 is 2, right? So 100 bushels, he's going to give 2, 2 bushels, okay? Now, let's say he gives 1 bushel. When he gives 1 bushel, he hasn't done this rabbinical, uh, 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 what's demanded from him? What's demanded from him rabbinically is to give two bushels. Till he gets that second bushel there, a bushel and a half and all that, all that stuff, the ani takes it, but the ani has to take miser from it. There's a special halacha that if, that, that mat no saniyim are not chayev in miser. If you, if, a, if an ani comes and gets mat no saniyim, we don't force him to take trumas and maestras from it. Here, the rabbis are not are, are unhappy with the owner, and they do not want to give. They do not want to let the amount that the, this guy gave. The guy did not give the two bushels. The guy gave a half a bushel. The rabbi said that if that's all you're going to give, the ani is going to have to take maestra from that. Because it's not yet a kiyum in the din of peah. You have not really fulfilled your mitzvah. You still must finish and give the second, get up to two bushels. If you don't do that, what you've given is not halachically called peah, and it doesn't even have the kula of peah. It doesn't even allow, normally, every all the matanosaniyim that we're going to be learning about when we learn zroyim, we're going to learn about all the beautiful things that you give for the Aniyim, there is... He's getting two of Eris, Rabbi. One for not giving paya, and the other one for putting it on, on the Ani to get to That's get right. Meiser. You're forcing the Ani to take Meiser from it. Yes, that is true. <laughs> You're forcing the Ani to take Meiser from it. Because it's still Chayiv and Meiser. And if one of your poor relatives comes and gets it, you need to tell him, hey, you've got to take Meiser from it. So that, because it doesn't have a shame Nasinas Peya. That's if you learn the first way. Man diomer hapeya ein loshir lo lemalon velo lematon. But if you go like the second brisa, and that learns that our mission is talking to our Torah, and that even though we know rabbinically you're supposed to take a fiftieth, but we can still say even after the rabbis instituted to it, peya still doesn't really have a minimum shear, which would mean mashenosan. Kvar Niftar, that if you're a cheapskate and don't follow the rabbis and you give one bushel instead of giving two, then your field is putter from Peya. And therefore, listen to this. <laughs> so, uh, so what you gave is actually putter from Meiser <laughs> because it has a shame Peya. You didn't do the right thing rabbinically, but it's basically putter from peya, the field. Now you're going to do your mitzvah of giving more, chazer v'hosif. Still, that other part, that other bushel was chayev in maestros. Either way, the ani's up the creek, whichever way you learn this b'risa, right? 
the the best way to do it is to give him the two bushels. You give him the two bushels straight off, he's potter. But if you divide the two bushels, you give him one and then give him the other, according to the first way of learning, both up until you get to two bushels, yes, the, the un has to take miser from that. If you learn the second way, the first thing you give him is potter no matter what it is. And what you're adding to it is chayiv and miser. So if you give him one bushel, that bushel is potter, but the second bushel would be chayiv. Because mashanosan kvar niftar, chazer v'hosif, if you add, which you're supposed to do, chayiv v'maisros. So that's the machlokas. What does it mean when the rabbis created the shear? Did they say it doesn't have a shame to see us pay if you give less? Or did they say it has a shame to see us pay, but there's a mitzvah to give more? So that's the, the subtle difference that the Yerushalmi is coming up with. Next. Rabbi asked a question. And why did our Mishnah only say Peya, Bikurim, Rayon? Right? It mentioned, right? What else did it mention? Gemilat Chasadim. Why did it mention another thing which doesn't have a shear? You know what doesn't have a shear? A for Sota. The amount of dirt you have to put into the Sota's water, you take the water from the special, uh, the Kior, and there was a special place in the Mishkat, in the Mikdash, where they got the offer from. And, and from that offer, they would put into the mix in the water. There's no shear of offer. There's no minimum or maximum amount. That should be in the Mishnah too. The lum, and what about the Lomelotanin and Afer Para? What about Afer Para? Afer Para is also the amount of, of, of ashes that you put the Paraduma water in. I should mention that as well. That's not in the Mishnah. You can, doesn't say how much, uh, how much Afer it has to be. Also, the Lomelotanin and Rok Yavama. We know the Yavama, if, 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 if the, uh, uh, the brother-in-law does not want to do Yibam. What does she do? Don't tell me she spits in his shoe. <laughs> she spits in front of him, right? She brings up a big glob of spit. Doesn't say how much. There's no shear. It could be a little bit of spit. Bigger brothers of spit. There's no shear of spit. Maybe that should also. And that's a mitzvah. Why isn't that in the Mishnah? We know that when the Mitzorah becomes tar, there's a, you, you shech the first tzipor, and you put its blood in a container, and then you, spi, you, 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 you put some on, on, on the, on the Mitzorah, and you sprinkle some towards the Beit HaMikdash. Doesn't say the minute, doesn't say a minimum or maximum amount of blood. Why isn't that in the Mishnah? So the Gemara says, These are all painted which don't involve farming like Peya. So why would you think to include all these things? Okay, well, the mission of Peya also includes things that aren't farming. It has Rayon bringing Korbonus to the base of Iktosh, right? So there are things besides farming stuff in the Mishnah, Henoch. So, okay. So the Gemara answers, uh, I think a better answer. Let's take a look. So the Gemara answers, Lo asinan masnisan eladvarim shu mosef alayu. We only want to tell you something that that if you add to it, mitzvah, that the more you do, the bigger mitzvah it is. 
it's true. The woman can bring up a little bit of spit, more spit. It's good either way, but it's not better. <laughs> when it comes to paya, it's a bigger mitzvah the more you give. When it comes to coming to the base of Mikdash Rayon, it's more. There's no shear. Talmud Torah, of course, also ain't lem shear. We're talking about things that do not have a shear, but when you do more, you actually have a greater mitzvah. Uh, that's why the ones we mentioned. When it comes to all these other things, ain't basiyos and mitzvah. Okay. The second thing that's mentioned in the Mishnah is rayon. Coming to the Beis HaMikdosh to be seen by God and as Panay come. You can't be empty-handed. God, in order to be seen by God, you have to bring something. You have to bring a carbon. Now, we know, we learn out from many drashot to Mesechtas Chagiga, there are two korbanos that are brought. One of them is the Ola Sariya. It's an Ola. It's an Ola of a Yochid. It goes totally up to the Rabbonah Shalom on, on Yontif. The other carbon that's brought is called the carbon Chagiga. Shalmei Simcha, it's called. A Chagiga. The halacha is, and it's machlokas be shamei be silel in chagiga. Those of you that know the mishnayot, how much that there is an amount you should pay for it. We paskin like be silel that you pay a mo'akesef minimum for the ola, and you pay two mo'akesef for the chagiga. The chagigas are shlomim. And that, of course, is eaten by your whole family. Wife and kids and everyone. The Ola goes up total to Hashem. We paskin like Hillel, that you spend more for the Shlomim than you do for the Ola. That's the Ola and the Shlomim, Oyuasriya and Shalmei Chagiga. Those two korbanos together is what's called the Rayon. That's what you bring as korbanot. Besides bringing the korbanot, there's an, also an idea of Ria, of just being in the Azara. If you're Tahar to just be around, they let you in, crowded, around everybody, and just watching what's going on. That's also the mitzvah of being Ola Regal, is to be in that spot and observing and being impressed. There's bringing your carbon, but also being there. So that's the Gemara's question. What does it mean that the Riyah, that the Rayon, doesn't have a shear? So let's see what the Gemara says. Harayon, what does it mean it doesn't have a shear? Masnis and Beriyas Panim. The Mishnah is talking about there's no shear of how many times you can show up. You can show once, you can show 20 times. If you have a good elbows and good energy, you can go 100 times. And every time you go, it's an extra mitzvah. Aval Beriyas Karbon. When it comes to the carbon, then there is an amount. There's an amount. There's one animal that's brought, at least one ola, and one chagiga. That's the minimum. There is a minimum shear. And I don't know if there's a, if, 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 you, if, if you're supposed to bring more than one. But when it said ain't well shear, it's about physically being there. And this goes like Rabbi Yochanan, who says, the idea to spend a ma'a for one of the animals, you spend that on the ola, 
and shtei kesef, you spend two mo'o, for what? For the chagiga, that's a dvar Torah. That's a mitzvah from the Torah. Okay? Which means, if that's a mitzvah from the Torah, even though it's not in, it's not written in the Torah specifically, but it's a halacha, it's, it's a halacha l'moshe misinai, which makes it like a dvar Torah. Which means, when you say, ein lashir, it can only be speaking about your physically showing up there. It can't be about the carbon because the carbon does have a limit of the minimum amount. That minimum amount that you have to spend is from the Torah. So you can't tell me Ryan ain't Lashir because there's a minimum amount of money you have to spend on that animal. That's what according to Rabbi Yochanan. But the Gemara says Tana Rabbiosi Kame Rabbi Yochanan. <laughs> and but Rabbiosi actually taught a Bryce in front of Rabbi Yochanan. Koshuhu I'm sorry, really, it says, you could get the cheapest, sorriest animal in the world. Or let's say there's an explosion of animals. There's animals everywhere and animals are cheap. You don't have to spend them all. Really, as long as you got an animal. You got to have one animal, but the, there's no limit on the price. And therefore, koshu. It's only the Rabbanan who said that. So according to the second way we're learning, the Mishnah might be meaning even in terms of the carbon. When it says Rayon in our Mishnah doesn't have a shear, it could be even the carbon doesn't have a shear. Because it could be the Mishnah speaking Because it's only the Rabbanan who say you have to use this amount. When Rabbi Yochanan heard that, he said, Where do you see the rabbis? If it's if you're right, the minat, there is no halacha Moshe Misenai. The minatore could be zero. It could be the cheapest animal in the world. <laughs> it's where do we find the rabbis coming down with these type of numbers? Amar Rabbi Yona. So Rabbi Yona said, Hold on, Rabbi Yochanan. Don't the, aren't the Chachamim the ones that gave the Shear? Kezayis min ames. Next page. Kezayis min ames. Kezayis min anavela. Kadoshim min asheretz. Don't we have that? We have all these situations where we don't know what they are from the Torah. And the rabbis figure it out. The rabbis tell us what it is. Maybe it's the same thing here. Min Torah could be minimum amount. And the rabbis came up with an amount. Uh, so... Isn't this what Raboshia said? Reikam means don't come empty. It could be with no money. It could be an animal that's worth a pruta. So, uh, <laughs> So he says, uh, "Who Amar Chacham? One second. Who Amar Chacham Amru Mokesef Shtei Kesef? So clearly, you do have situations where the rabbis give us an amount. What was Rabbi Yochanan's problem? So the Gemara says, Rabbi Yochanan Kedaytei. The reason why Rabbi Yochanan didn't like what he was hearing because Rabbi Yochanan had a preconceived opinion." Which was what? The Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Kolashir Malachal Moshe Misinai. 
He says it's not the Chachamim who figure out the Shiurim. It's not the Minatora, it's blank, and the Chachamim somehow make a drash. It's all Halachal Moshe Misenai. It's as if it's from God himself. It's not that the Chachamim figure it out and say, we think maybe this is what God wants us to do. All of the Shiurim throughout the Torah, Kezayis Min Ames, Min the fact that a Kezayis Min is Tomei, an Adosha from Asheretz, all of those things, every shir you have is halachal Moshe Misenai. And that's the same thing, the amount that you have to pay for the carbon Chagiga is also. And therefore, Duomar, Mo'okesef, Shtei Kesef, Dvar Torah. That's why he says it's Minatora. But, so the only, so only Machlokes, Rabbi, is the source. Rabbi Yochanan holds it's halachal Moshe Misenai, but the Rabbonin made their, their, their own measurements. Right, accor- right. According to Raposhia, who actually was Rabbi Yochanan's Rebbe, according to Raposhia, the Rabbonin figured it out. Like they figure everything out. The Rabbonin made a drosha. They, they, maybe they made a takana. They, but it wasn't like they had a misora from Moshe. This was the amount. Right. And therefore, according to the Chachamim, you could say, Ein Lem Shir. Because the Torah didn't give a shear. We figured it out. But according to Rabbi Yochanan, Moshe Rabbein already gave the shear. Moshe already right. told Yeshua, Mokesef. So you can't say in our Mishnah, Rayon doesn't have a shear. So the Gemara goes on. Rabbi Hoshia Kedaite. Rabbi Hoshia's Lushitoso. The Rabbi Hoshia Omar. Ha'ochel Isr Bizman Let's say somebody eats chalev by accident. He goes to the fridge and he thinks he's taking out fatty meat because he likes good fatty meat. Then he discovers it was chalev. He's chayev achatas. He can't bring a carbon. So what should he do? He doesn't only write down, I have to bring a carbon when the base on Mikdash Mirz Hashem gets built. I also have to write down the weight of the amount that I, the volume of what I ate. You need to figure out what was the volume. Why? Because Shema Yamod Bezdin Acher Because maybe when Elio Anavi and the Mashiach comes and the new Sanhedrin comes, we'll find out we don't know what a Kezayis is. Or maybe we'll find out it's not the Shear of a Kezayis. We'll find out that the Das of a God is something different. And we're going to find out that the shiurim that we were working to figure out isn't what we think it is. And a, a zayas isn't 2.2 ounces. And therefore, I, I need to actually check the amount. I need to go to the new Bezdin and say, Bezdin, I ate chalif. This is the amount I ate. They, are, they, they might promulgate a brand new shear. They're not going to rely on what was done 100 years before, what was considered a kezayas. Or, or even if it is a Kezayis, maybe they're going to come up with their own shear. And therefore, you need to tell them the volume. And that, so you see from Rabhoshia that the rabbis create the shiurim, and that the rabbis in the time of Mashiach will come up with a new shear, possibly. So therefore, even when it comes to Ma'a and 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 uh, uh, Ma and Shtei Kesef, that's also something that's in stasis. It might change. Who knows in the time of Mashiach? 
So Amre, we say, Chazer be Rabbi Yochanan min hada. Rabbi Yochanan was Chazer from his original statement. And he actually said, I agree with Rabbi Hoshia. Rabbi Yonav, Rabbi Yosei, though, said, Tarvay and Amrin, lo Chazer be. Rabbi Yochanan stuck to his guns. He still felt that this halacha of how much you'd got to pay for the korbanos that you bring on Yontov is a din halacha moshem Sinai. It's got to be a mo or shtei kesef. Va'oid min hadadam ha-rebi there's another uh, connection to this. Um I got about another two minutes here. I'm just wondering if we can, if we're going to be able to to do justice to it. I'll try. didn't argue. What was that? Chizkiya said that let's say. For example, you have your carbon chagiga, which has to be two kesef. But you're worried you don't you're not going to eat the whole thing. You're worried that you have a small family. So what you have the right to do is um, take one of the kesefs and buy one animal and then eat the other animal a little bit later, maybe later on during the yontif. Because if you're going to buy one big animal, your family's not going to eat it. So you have a right to take that amount of money for the Chagiga into two animals. Rabbi Yochanan says, no. You're not supposed to buy two animals. Which means... Because Rabbi Yochanan holds, in order for it to be a Korban Chagiga, it has to be worth Shtei Kesef. And that's too bad. <laughs> I, it, you get, get more people with you to eat it. But you can't split, you can't say, I'm, I'm spending one Kesef on animal one and the other Kesef on animal two. In order for it to be a Korban Chagiga, it's got to be worth Shtei Kesef. Rabbi Shemin Lokish, Shem so you see again the shita of Rabbi Yochanan. You know what? We're going to stop over here, I think. Okay? We're going to stop over here. It's sort of a good stopping place. But you see how consistent Rabbi Yochanan was on the din of Oyulas Ria. We'll talk more about that topic tomorrow, finish it off tomorrow. And now we're going to move to uh, the next uh, topic, which of course is. Masechta Shabbos, but it's really Masechta Hanukkah. So here we go. Moshe, you're very happy. You see how you see how I'm how I'm I'm doing it exactly on time. <laughs> okay. I am static. Record that. I'm static. You're ecstatic. <laughs> yes. Okay. Here we go. Uh, may, here we go. Mesa Rapshashas. Everybody see where I am with the cursor? If you don't have your Gemara with you, um, it's, uh, Chof Bet Amid Bet. One, two, three, four, five, 
six, seven lines from the top. Okay, what do we just say? <laughs> I got to review a little bit. What we just said was a machlokas rav and shmuel. If you're allowed to light a um, a one Hanukkiah from another Hanukkiah. Shmuel says you definitely can. It's not a bizayon. We don't have to worry about the fire in the first Hanukkiah getting weak. We discussed yesterday if perhaps Shmuel might agree that you can't put a match in. Putting a match might be worse because it's not like one mitzvah next to each other. The match has to go and then light the other uh, Hanukkiah. Maybe that's worse. We talked about that. And then we said there's a possibility Shmuel would even allow that. But we see that there's a machloket, what Rav meant. Was it about, let me repeat what it is. Was it about bizui mitzvah, which means to, uh, to put a match in your Hanukkiah and take it to your friend's house to light his Hanukkiah would be Osir? Or is it about achushe mitzvah, not bizui mitzvah, but weakening the first one? By coming over with you, even if you guys live next to each other, or it's two people living in the same house, and 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 their Hanukkiot are near each other, to use that person's, even if the two candles are mamish next to each other, that would also be Osir, according to Rav. That's a machlokas what Rav holds. The Amaroyim disagreed as to what Rav's opinion was. So on this, let's take a look. Mesiv Rabshashas. The Pusik says, when it speaks about lighting our own, lighting the menorah, it says, right outside of the parochet that separates where the edut is, where the luchot are. Yaroch, lifnei Hashem. So the Medrash asks, what's this big, what are we mentioning, lifnei Hashem? And, and, and why do we have to say the parochet ha'edut? Say in the Kodesh, Say out, outside of the parochet, why is it the parochet ha'edut? And what does it mean? Yaruch oto lifnei Hashem. God needs the light. V'chila orohu tzarich. Did God need the light of the menorah in the Beit HaMikdash? As if God's dwelling in this box and he needs the menorah for light so we could see what's going on? It was his light. He provided light for 40 years. There was no, there was, you hardly could see anything. It wouldn't be for God's super light that was coming in because of the, uh, by the clouds. You think they needed light for, for God? God provided light for us for 40 years. To, it was almost like natural sunlight wasn't really entering into the, where they were in the Midbar. God was creating his own light for, for Klau Yisro. You think he needed the Hanukkah, he needed the menorah for light for him? We got to go back to the Pasuk again, the Medrash says. Why does it say Eidut, Parochet Ha'edut? Stop. In other words, you put a psik, you put a period or a comma after the word Parochet, Michutz Parochet. And why do you light it there? Because Ha'edut, Yaroch. Aaron is supposed to light a testimony. Aaron is supposed to light the, the menorah, which becomes an edut. What's the edut? Edut ulaboli olam. Shashchina shorabi Yisrael. 
by what Aaron does, doing this avod of the menorah day in and day out, that constitutes testimony to anybody who's really thinking, anyone who comes into this world, even the non-Jew, that the Shekhinah is with us, that we are the people that have the indwelling presence of God within us. How? What's the edus? What is the edus from the menorah? My edus. Amarav, so Rav explained, you know what the edus is? The ner maravi. The ner maravi, which is the, the ner, let's say, and again, Rashi has a discussion where it was, based on the Gemara in Menachot. Was it, uh, was it going from north to south or east to west? Either way, it was either the middle ner, let's go with that opinion, that it was the middle one. That was the Ner Maravi. What, what was the Aedus of the Ner Maravi? Because Shenosin Bashemen Kemidas Chavaretha, that every day it would have the same amount of oil, exactly the same, the Chatsi Luk Shemen. And Umimenohoyamadlik. And yet, the, right, the, very, the next day it was still burning. And it, it, the flame was still going, and when you, he would relight the menorah the next evening, he would light it from the Neramarovi where he put the original oil in. It had the same amount of oil, and it should have burnt out just like the others. And yet, every night it had it, it kept on burning, and it would always be modeled from that. In fact, it was the first one lit. And therefore, it should have had the least amount of oil. But it always had the amount, the oil, it always had enough oil. It was still burning. And the relighting of the menorah that was done in the morning and then in the evening came from the middle, from the Ner Marovi. And that was the one when he was doing Hatovas Aneros. That was the last one that he would extinguish. When he would extinguish the candles in the morning, that was always the last one. How could it be the one that was lit first? Was always the one that had the, that was always burning, and that was the one he always finished with. It must be that that's an edus that God is with us. That the fact that it was illogical and it didn't make scientific sense that it should always be burning and it should burn longer than the others, although it started to burn earlier and it was exactly the same shape and size and exact same amount of oil. If you're going to be honest, that shows you that 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 it was it was a symbol of the Shechina, and the Shechina is with us. Okay, who said that? Rav, and Rav said that they used to use the middle, the middle wick, the middle the middle tilah, the middle canister, the middle thing that held the oil, the middle cup, used to light the other candles. Didn't Rav say by the Chanukiah you're not supposed to do that? <laughs> You're not supposed to light one from the other. And yet here it says you would it, it, you'd start with it and it would light the other ones. Isn't that a problem? Why, why, when it comes to our Hanukkiah that we have in our house, you're not supposed to. So why in the Beit HaMikdash did they do that? Ba-ha-ha-ha. Rabbi. One, one second. One second. Since the Neros were stuck they were they were stuck inside of the menorah. Hmm. Losagi the lomishkal the adluk. Didn't they take some sort of match from the middle one and light the others? So when they put the match in, wasn't that a bizoyon? 
Isn't shouldn't that Rav Rav minimally says you can't be Mavaza the mitzvah of Hanukkah by putting a match in. Minimally, that's what Rav said. But here Rav himself says that in the menorah and the Beis Hamikdash, the middle nair was the one that lit the others. How did it do it? Obviously, you couldn't move it. It's not like you can move them close to each other. They were in their set containers the way the menorah was built. It must be that the Kohen took a match or took a piece of, of, of something flammable, something that he could use, and stuck it into the middle flame, and then he lit the other flames. So why is that allowed on Hanukkah? Kashya mishum bizui mitzvah. So no matter how you learn, how is Rav going to explain that? How could there be a different level for the Chanuk, for the Chanukiah than the Menorah? So how could you tell me Rav is against it? Rav himself explains that's the Eidus. When Rav explained the Eidus of the, of, the, of the Menorah to the world, he explained it based on the, what the Kohen Gadol did every, or whatever the Kohen Hedyo did every day in terms of lighting it. And he would light all the other candles from the middle one. So, Rabbi, it, Rabbi. Yes, yes Hannah. Go ahead. That the, the situation of the Menorah in the base of Vindash was supernatural. Hashem broke the natural laws. So you can't compare that to our lighting the menorah on, on Hanukkah. They're two different cases. Okay, uh, Hanukkah, it's true. There was something supernatural about the oil lasting longer in the middle uh, container than the others. But then there was something very natural the way the light was lit, right? In other words, it was supernatural that it lasted longer. But then that was fire that he then took to the other candles. So that's what the Gemara is asking. I hear what you're saying. It might be a difference. The Gemara believes, though, that how could how could the Chanukiah be more calmer than the menorah itself? So let's see what right. the Gemara says. Tir Gemara Papa Bepsilos Aruchos. Papa says we're talking about Long wicks. And since we're talking about long wicks, it's as if, in other words, the wicks were long and they would extend from the, from the middle one to all the external ones. And therefore, when the middle one was on fire, the other ones would now become on fire as well with the long wicks. So that's, as, that's not a match. The wick is part of the nair itself. The wick, the long wick, which is in the other cup, which is in all the other six cups. Remember, there's seven cups total. The one in the middle, three on each side. The long wicks in each cup on the right and the left, those are part of the keli, of the nair of the menorah itself. That's called shraga mishraga. That's not using a kissim. That's not using a match. So there's no bizoyan of the mitzvah because they're all mitzvahs together. So the Gemara says, okay, that answers, that answers, uh, the if you hold it's a din in uh, a bizoyan of mitzvah. But he says, sof, sof, laman dama mishum achushay mitzvah kashya. But if you say it's about achushay mitzvah, about weakening it, then even if you put the two lamps together with long wicks, you're not supposed to do that according yeah. to the Rav. Gemara says kashya, all right, according to that opinion, it's difficult. And it sounds like 
it sounds like the idea of Rav is more the idea of Bizui Mitzvah, not Achushe Mitzvah. Now the Gemara says, My Okay, what's the Psak? Can you light one Chanukiah from the other? So, Amar Rav Huna Rav Yeshua. Chazina, I'll tell you the way we can figure this out. The way we can figure this out is expanding the question. Stay with me, everybody. Up until now, what was the question? The question was, I want to light a, my friend's Hanukkah. My friend doesn't have fire. Can he bring his over? We're a bunch of people in the boarding house. Can his menorah be right next to mine? Can he put his wick into mine to get fire from it? That's the question. Am I allowed to do that? Let's expand the, the – we know that Rav, according to one opinion, is against it. Do we pass him like Rav? Do we pass him like Shmuel? In order to figure out this, let's expand the question a little further. Chazina, let's look at this in a, a – let's expand the issue. Ihadloka osa mitzvah. Madlikin miner l'ner. Ve'ihanocha osa mitzvah. So let me explain what this means. We know that let's say, let's imagine uh, we're living in the time of the Mishnah in Eretz Yisrael where you light outside. So I go with my candle, I go with my flame, and I stand by my Hanukkiah and I light it. At that moment, obviously, I fulfilled the mitzvah because two things occurred. It was lit, and it's in the exact perfect place it needs to be in Rosh Hashanah. But let's say I light it one place, and then I carry it, and then I put it down. Have I fulfilled the mitzvah or not? Is the hadlaka the mitzvah or the hanocha the mitzvah? Obviously, the hadlaka needs to be in the right place. But where is the mitzvah done? Where is, have I fulfilled the essential mitzvah? Is it by it being in spot, or is it when I light it? Sometimes it's simultaneous. Sometimes the lighting and the being in place happens in the same second. But I can separate the two. And therefore, listen to what I'm going to say here. Please shut your microphone, please, whoever's got their microphone on. Thank you. So, here again. If you say, Let's say the guy wants to move his candle over to mine. He wants to move his Hanukkah over to mine. Well, that's not the mitzvah yet. <laughs> True, it is a candle. It is a Hanukkah. It is a very good menorah, whatever you want to call it. But the mitzvah won't happen until later. The mitzvah won't happen until he puts it in the window. The mitzvah won't happen until he gets it to his house. The mitzvah won't happen until he moves it away from mine so you can see it's his Hanukkah and not mine. Or my Hanukkah, not his. That's called Hanukkah Osa Mitzvah. So even now, when he's putting his next to mine, that's only the Heksher. That's the Hadlokah. That's like a match. That's not the Mitzvah yet. The Mitzvah is the Hanukkah. So if the Mitzvah is the Hanukkah, so then, that's called the Bizoyun. That's not, that's not two Mitzvahs together. That's not sharing the Mitzvahs together. That's like a match. Let's take a look inside. You'll see what I'm saying. Let's see it again inside. 
Chazina, if you say the fact that it's actually lit is the mitzvah. Very good, Jackie. The Gemara is going to use your, your proof in a couple of minutes. But right now, we're not going to bring a proof from the bracha yet. Jackie is asking, the bracha itself is lahadlik, not lahaniach. But we'll see in a minute. So Mar says, Iadloka osa mitzvah. If you're going to say the lighting is the mitzvah. So when I put the two Hanukkiyot next to each other, and the one that's not lit gets lit, the mitzvah is happening. So madlik and miner l'ner. There's no bizoyon there. But the ihanocha osa mitzvah. If the lighting is only the beginning part, it's a heksher. But the mitzvah is only niskayim when you actually have it placed. That's when you have the shame kiyom mitzvah. Then ain't madlikim l'ner l'ner. Diboilahu. Hadlaka osa mitzvah o anocha osa mitzvah. Toshma. Let's bring a proof. The Omer Tafus Ne'er Chanukah V'Omeid. Let's say there, he's not, it's not sitting on the street. It's not sitting on the sidewalk. The man is holding, standing still, holding his Chanukiah. So, <laughs> Rava said, well, also a loklum. That's not considered, he has not fulfilled Ne'er Chanukah. Hmm. Sounds like what? Shmami no. Because a man standing up is not really, he can move in any second. If the item is placed down on the ground, he placed it down. If a person is holding it, he's even though he is not moving, he still could move at any minute. And therefore, it's not really placed down. It's in his hand, uh, hovering in the air. Rava must hold. Hanocha is the mitzvah. Umar says, no, maybe not. The Gemara says, really, awesome. the reason why Rav says, you haven't filled the mitzvah, says, Haroa Omer That's because a guy standing outside, like Diogenes, looking for an honest man with a lantern, that looks like a guy standing outside holding a candle. That doesn't look like a, a, a Hanukkah. That doesn't look like Hanukkah at all. But not because you need to have it in place. Because it looks, doesn't look like a Hanukkah mitzvah. So that's why we say, how about this? Tashma Dhamma from another thing Rubba said. Hidlika bifnim, you lit it inside, and then you cover it and cover it, and carefully you take it outside, votsia, and then you bring it outside in the time of the Mishnah when you could light outside. Lo asuklum. That's nothing. Elim Kain. What? Uh uh Klum. So E Amr I'm sorry. Elim Kain, it was a mistake. That's a bet. E Amrit Bishlama, if you're going to say what, it, what the right way to think about it is, Hadlaka Osa Mitzvah, if you say the mitzvah is Hadlaka, it's lit. So obviously you can't light it inside. That's not, in the time of the mission, it has to be outside. Hadlaka Bimkomo Ba'inen. Hadlaka has to be in the place that that time demands it to be, which is on outside. So Hadlaka inside can't mean anything. If you say the mitzvah is fulfilled by having it placed, why do you have to light outside? You can light inside as long as it's placed outside lit. That should be good enough. That's not a proof from there either. When a person sees a guy coming outside with a light, coming from inside the house, Hey, that guy's probably looking for his keys that he lost. 
unless you go outside and make a whole trask, a whole uh, event out of lighting, out of something that's that's situated in the ground, it doesn't look like Hanukkah. So therefore, that's why Rav has said, but it's not a proof from there that Hadloka is a mitzvah. Toshma, how about from here? Remember Yeshua ben Levi? Rishuah Malevi says that if it's a uh, Saturday evening, <laughs> it's a Motzei Shabbos, and you have the mitzvah of lighting near Hanukkah, you have, an, uh, you have a, 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 a shashit, you have a, a lantern, and it was lit the whole day, the whole Shabbos it was on. So what do you do if you want to use it for near Hanukkah? You need to blow it out and then relight it. It was a lantern. It was working for you as a lantern all Shabbos to give light, whatever reason you needed it for. Now you'd like that to be your Hanukkah for Saturday night menorah lighting, Hanukkah lighting. So what did we say you need to do? You need to blow it out and relight it. So he amr bishlama hadlaka osa mitzvah shapir. If you say the whole idea of ner Hanukkah is lighting it, so uh, you don't need to place it anywhere. It's about being lit, and that's it. Then you light it. But if you say the way you fulfill the mitzvah is by placing it, putting it in a spot, lit, if that's what the mitzvah is, so it, the, the, the instruction should not be extinguish and relight. The instruction should be, the instruction should not be extinguish and relight. The instruction should be, extinguish, pick it up, and put it down, and then light it. That's what it should say. And now comes Jackie's proof. And let's think about the Nusach of the Brocha. Not right? Or not Al Ner The mitzvah is to to cause the flame to happen. So therefore, even when you put the two things next to each other, the hadalaka is the mitzvah. So even though you're going to move it away a little bit towards the other side of the window, you've already done your mitzvah with hadalaka. So since the hadalaka is itself the key of the mitzvah, the hadalaka is happening when you move the two hanukiyot next to each other, that's also the essence of the mitzvah, you're allowed to do it according to uh, the, that opinion. Even maybe according to Rav, because it's not a bizoyon, because it's a mitzvah itself to do hadloka. The hadloka is itself. Maybe you might want to, it's considered bimkomo enough, and therefore it's considered as if the mitzvah has started, and therefore it's not a bizoyon to the first mitzvah. Now, since we say hadloka osa mitzvah, the hashadamrina and hadloka osa mitzvah, hidlika chayrishotevikaton, Let's say 
you want to help, you want your little child who's less than 13 to feel good about what's going on. You're, you're from the Rambam, you're from the uh, Tosfos people and from the Bet Yosef people. They only light one for the family. So you want to give the kid the schut to light it and then you bring it outside. Uh-uh, that's not good. If you do it that way, if 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 you say adlokos a mitzvah, hidlika cherishote vekatan molasav leiklum. If they do the hadlok, even though you're adjusting it, that's not considered the mitzvah, and therefore you shouldn't let a child do it. Isha though, but let's say for your wife to do it, if she and you are, it's like a combo team. She's the lighter and you're the adjuster, even though she's the one that actually got the flame going. Of course, that's a good mitzvah. As we said, it's a din in the bias. They were also part of the Nes Hanukkah. They were also in danger. Rashi, of course, quotes here. As you can see, Rashi quotes here. That the Yavana made Ixera, that all women, all virgin women were about to get married. They needed to have sex first with the with the with the officers of the Greeks. We know there was a woman, a very uh, uh, courageous girl, who killed one of the officers, and she ran on, it was the daughter of the Kohen Godel, and she ran onto the field of battle holding his head, and that's what generated a lot of fear in the eyes of the uh, of the enemy. So women were a very big part of the Nisim uh, in the war of Ner Hanukkah. All right, Amr of Sheshas, Achsanoi Chayiv B'Ner Hanukkah. And Achsanoi is Chayiv B'Ner Hanukkah, which means what? A person who is a uh, who's staying by someone else, person who is a, uh, a, a in a hotel, person who's a boarder by someone else, he also is chayiv b'ner Hanukkah. Amar Abzera, mireish kavibine kavibine When I first left my house and I and I started uh, teaching, I started learning Torah, and I started staying by other people. So I went, I left my family. Uh, I, I don't know if he was married yet, but he says, I used to stay by someone when I would learn in yeshiva. So I would give a little bit of money to the owner of the house. And this way, I was part of the family in a way, and that's how I had the fulfillment of my mitzvah. But then I got married. Amin, I said, Hashtavari lo Even though I'm away from my wife, because I'm still learning Torah, I'm still living away from home, studying Torah, becoming the greatest Hamachacham I can become. But my wife's at home. I come home a couple of times a year. She's home during Hanukkah. I don't need to give money to the Achsanoi. Why? I know my wife is lighting, and she's lighting for the whole family. And even though I'm here learning in yeshiva in some other city, she's lighting for me as well. And this is what you can always rely on if you're on a business trip or something else, that they're lighting for you at home. Next, Am Rabbi Shuvah ben Levi. Kol Ashmanim kulen yofen lener. 
When it comes to Ner Hanukkah, even though we saw in the Mishnah certain things maybe you shouldn't use because it's possibility, and the Bryce, we talked about the Amoroyim, said certain Neiros you shouldn't use, maybe you shouldn't use them on Friday night or other times because we don't want it to go out. But assuming it's a, it's a type of flame that will work well with the wick, and it's not excluded by what we mentioned on the page before, there is no... Uh, there is no kapeda on what type of oil to use. They're all good for nair. However, if you want to do the mitzvah in the best way, shemen zayis min amufchar. Shemen zayis is the best thing to use. Amar Abaya, mirei mar, originally my rebbe, rabbah, my uncle, when he was looking to light Chanukiah, the, the menorah, he would try to go after Amishcha de Shumshimi, sesame seed oil. Omar, and he would explain, Hai Mashach no it lasts longer. The, 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 the fire lasts longer with using the same amount of oil. So that's why he wanted sesame oil. But Kivan, the Shomel, other Yeshua ben Levi, when he heard about Yeshua ben Levi, who was, who was considered so Choshev, Mahader Amishcha de Zesa. Then he made sure to get olive oil. Omar, and he said, I now know what Yeshua ben Levi said. It might not last as long, but it's a clearer light. The light burns clearer, and that's why we use Shemen Zayas. The other reason is, is because the Ness was with Shemen Zayas. <laughs> the miracle happened with Shemen Zayas, and that's probably another reason to use Shemen Zayas. Omar Yeshua ben Levi, if you want to make uh, oil, make ink also, all oil could probably, you can use oil well when it comes to ink. Now, how did the oil work? What they would do is they would use oil to burn uh, wood, and then the smoke would attach itself to glass, and then they would scrape the the it would the smoke would form like 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 clusters on the glass they would scrape off the glass and then they would throw that into the mixture for the ink shemenzayis minamufchar but shemenzayis if you use shemenzayis oil the type of smoke that will be created is better and that will make a better ink iboyvahu legabel ovaashen are you talking about it's Shemen Zayas is good because it's going to now create that crusty material that you're going to knead together and throw into the recipe for the ink. Are we talking about La'ashen? We're we talking about just the smoke. Tashma, the Tani Rav Shmuel Bar Zutri, Ko Ashmanim Yofen Lidio, but Shemen Zayas is Minamuvchar, and Shemen Zayas is good for all stages of making ink. Bain Lagavel, whether it's about the mixture of mixing the materials of the ink together, or creating the smoke that creates that crust on the glass to begin with. All the smoke is good to create ink, because you want to create smoke to create a crust on the glass. Besides the uh, the crusty uh, oil residue that you put into ink, you also want to put in something from the sraf, the sap out of a tree. All tree sap 
is good in the in the production of of ink. Srap kataf, but the srap of the kataf tree is the best. And listen, it was very important to ink. They wrote svarim with ink. They wrote gitin with ink. It was important to know that you want to have the best possible ink because you want the safer to last the longest, in order for it to stay the longest. If a person is madlik, of course he makes a bracha. That's not a chiddush. But even if you are not going to be madlik that day, you're on a boat, as Rashi says, and the winds are so shaky that you're not going to be able to light that night. It's impossible. But if you see as your boat and you can see the lights of a Ner Hanukkah of somebody who lives on the beach or where the Jewish people are living and you see the Ner Hanukkah, you also make a bracha. You make a also just by seeing it. Amar Rav Yehuda, Yom HaRishon Bet. The first day, if you're on that boat, you make two brachas. Madlik, if you're lucky enough to be in your own house, Mavarach we make three brachas. Mikan from that night on, Mivarech Shtayim. If you're lighting Ner Hanukkah, you make two brachas. If you happen to have, if you were happen to be on a boat after the first night of Hanukkah, on the second or third night, and you see Ner Hanukkah, then you only make what? You make one bracha, Mivarech Achas. Okay. My Mamayit, which is the bracha that you only make the first night, but that you don't make that you don't make the second night. The Roa is going to make two brachas the first night. But he's not going to make a bracha. He's only going to make one bracha the second night. What bracha is going to be taken out? My Mimayat. Which one gets cut off? Mimayat's man. Shechionu was only made the first night. The Roa, it sounds like, makes two brachas. <laughs> the Roa makes two brachas. He makes Sha'asa Nisim Lavosenu. And he also makes the bracha shechionu, even though he's not lighting. Even though he's not lighting, he's on a boat and he sees the menorah lit. He says, "Thank God I lived to see this mitzvah done." Shechionu, but he but he doesn't make that the second night. So the Gemara says, hmm. the Gemara says, "Vinimayetness." Maybe you shouldn't say Sha'asanisim the second night. You already said Sha'asanisim the first night. Why are you saying Sha'asanisim every night? The Mara says, Nes kol yomeisa. There's a Nes every night. Every night, it's a remiss to the Nes that happened every single day in the Beis Hamikdash. There was another Nes. So every day, there's another aspect of Nes. My Mavarech, what's the Brach? We already said it. You're talking about God. God made us holy with his mitzvahs and commanded us. <laughs> How can you say the word Sivanu when you're making this bracha? The same question can be asked by Nativas Yadayim. The same question can be asked Shabbat. How can you make a bracha oh. with Sivanu? Because the Torah says, Leitoser means you have to f- listen to the Chachamim. The Chachamim say, we want there to be a mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah. This is what you have to do today. There has to be a mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah. just want to move this. 
There's a mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah. That's why we saw sir. Rav Nechemia Omar, the Pasuk in Tvarim that says, Shol Avicha V'yagetcha, Zekeinecha V'yomruloch. Ask your elders. They'll tell you. So there's two, what the difference in these two Makaris are that we showed him speak about. But both of them seem to indicate that throughout history, Moshe already told us throughout history, the rabbis rule. The rabbis say things, we must follow them. And therefore, it's as if God commanded us to listen. Mesa Rav Amram. So Rav Amram asked the following question. You're telling me that whatever the rabbis say, I have to listen? And it's as if God tells it to me? What about this? Hadamai, we know the rabbis came up with a law called Demai. The law was that whenever you buy something from an Amoritz, no matter what he tells you, you're mechuyiv to take off Maestros and Maestro Shani, Midarabonan, that's called Demai. So when it comes to Demai, even though you haven't taken anything off of it, Ma'arvinbo, you can use it as an Eruv. An Eruv meaning Eruv Chatseros. Umishtatvinbo, or sheet of mavos. You have to use food. You can use material, food material that was bought from an Amoritz that you haven't taken off the maestros yet. You're allowed to use demai for, because it's, because it's only the rabbanon. The rabbanon allow you to use it even though you didn't yet fix it. You weren't metaking the demai. You could still be used for eruv and shituf. Umivarchen alav. And if you decide to eat it, you make a bracha. Tevel, you don't make a bracha on. It's aser. But you can make a bracha on demai or mizamnan alav. And if everybody eats demai, even though they shouldn't have, you still can bench. You can still make a zimun. And even though you're going to do the right mitzvah, which is taking off the maestros, you don't have to have clothes on. You can be naked taking it off as well. Now, if you're naked, you're obviously not making a bracha, as you'll see in a minute. And even though there's an iser of taking off trumas and maestros on Shabbos and Yontif, you're not allowed to fix things. It's exero atu tikun mona. But if you want an er a Shabbos after Shkia, you are allowed to be mafresh demai. Because it's anyway only the Rabbanan. It's only, uh, and therefore you're allowed to do it bein hashmoshos. You're going to tell me whenever the rabbis said you have to do something, you have to make a bracha, and you have to say, Asher Kirishonu, Hocha Nami, Hocha, here when it comes to Demai, Kikoi Orum, you're sitting there naked, Hechi Mivarech, how can you make a bracha? The Torah says, that when you make a bracha, it's like the Machna of Hashem. You can't have so around, you can't have feces around, you can't have a naked body around, you yourself can't be naked and watch it, sing it. The machna is to be kodosh. Well, you're a bechayer vastover. It's even from the Torah. How could you articulate a bracha in a state of nakedness? Obviously, you don't. Uh huh. Where's your bracha? Isn't this a the rabbanon? The rabbi said you have to take dema. You have to listen to the rabbis. Leisosur. Amar Abaya. Abaya said like this. Vadai did ivreim boy bracha. Where they made something vadai, like near Hanukkah, Megillah. There's no suffix involved. They made it, they invented something, and we have to follow it. You have to do a brocha. But demai is based on a suffix. 
Suffolk did Ivrayim, Loiboy Bracha. This was based, this told you to be Machmer Mi Suffolk. The Rabbanan know it's a Suffolk. We know that, as we're going to see in a minute, many Amaratsim did take off Trumas and Maestras. The whole thing was to be Machmer Mi Suffolk. The whole thing is a Suffolk, there's no Bracha. One second. What about Yontav Sheni? The Suffolk Divrayemu. Yontif Shani at the time before when they weren't sure. We're not sure of which day they were Makanish Tachode, and therefore not sure whether today is Yontif or the other day is Yontif. So they would keep the second day Yontif when they were far away from the base Avad, but they would make Kiddush, they would make Brochos, they would do all these Brochos. Why were they making Brochos? It's a suffix. Why would you make, why would, why in those places that were away from the Beis Havad, would they make brachas? The only reason they're makabo, the chumrah, it's a suffix, maybe it might have happened. Usually it didn't happen. Usually it would be the first day. The second day was Ulai Epshur if the Adam didn't come. So, and you're still making brachas on a suffix. So the Gemara says, you're right. You probably shouldn't make a brach, you shouldn't make brachas on the second day of Yontif. But we're afraid. If we would tell people, yeah, it's this Yontif Shani, but you don't make any brachas, people would start saying, yeah, it's not really Yontif, they're not going to keep it. So in order to make sure Abaya says that people keep it, they bend the rules here. And they said, over here, you're going to, you should make a bracha on Yontif Shani, even though logically there is no reason to make a bracha because it's a suffix to Rabbonin. That was Abaya. Rava Amar, it's different. Rav has said, Suffolk itself, you would make a bracha. Here it's better than a Suffolk. Here it's not the pshat Chazal said when it came to Demai, be machmer, be Suffolk. Really, Rav Amayaretz Maisrenheim. What happened was, Yochanan Kohen uh, Godel sent a, a survey out, and he discovered that there was rove people, rove Amaratsim were doing the right thing. There was a decent minority. There was a, a pretty large, but it was still not the majority. You could usually use rove to be machria, that it's probably not tevel. So it wasn't the Chachamim saying, be machmer misafik. It was the Chachamim saying, be machmer keneged the rove. That's a very weak takana. Where they say it was a suffix, to be ma- like it by Yontif Shani, that's different. There, maybe you should make a bracha, because it's a 50-50, perhaps, or at least more in that ballpark. But here was already determined by Yochanan's discovery that Rov the Amaratzim did take off Trumas and Maestras. This was only for a mute. For that, there was no reason to make a bracha on Demai, and that's the reason why it's different. Okay, look, that, uh, I think we, we did half of, the, of what we needed to do. Uh, I think we should. I think everybody's in agreement. We should probably stop here. Correct? Right? Everybody, we're going to stop yes, here. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Sounds okay. good. Um, and okay. Thank so, you. Okay, so I'm going to stop the recording. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 